Hey everyone, welcome again to the FakePigskin.com podcast. I'm your host, Adam Rainbolt. I can be found on Twitter at Adam Rainbolt. Uh, my get co-host as always, Regan Yant, at ReganFP on Twitter. How's it going, Regan? Good as always. Uh, tonight we have two very special guests uh, returning to the podcast for a second appearance is Kenny Wang. Uh, he can be found on Twitter at K underscore Wang32. How's it going, Kenny? I'm on summer break right now, so just uh, enjoying the life. Perfect. Sounds good. And uh, making his podcast debut, we have Pat Donnelly at Legend Donnelly on Twitter. And uh, today's Pat's birthday. Happy birthday, Pat. Thanks. I'm uh, pretty good tonight. It's, uh, it's a great night. <laughs> <laughs> Pat's been out uh, watching some baseball and enjoying some beverages. So uh, hopefully we have a pretty good podcast here tonight. Uh, Regan, before we get started, you want to say a couple things? Yes, I do. Our newest writer, uh, Luke O'Neill, he's from Ireland. Um, a couple nights ago, his sister passed away. She was 18 years old. Her name is Alice. So uh, we're going to dedicate tonight's show to Alice. We're going to have a good time tonight. And uh, before we get started, I'd like to have a moment of silence in her honor. All right. Sounds good. Um, go ahead and get the podcast started, guys. Uh, we've been talking about having this podcast for a few weeks. This will be our official 2013 redraft uh, podcast where we'll talk about all things redraft. Um, kind of limit our discussion to that tonight. So without any further ado, let's go ahead and get started. Um, just wanted to point out, Regan, we'll kind of start at the top. Um, a lot of our numbers and average draft position and things like that that we'll talk about tonight, uh, we get from an awesome website called fantasyfootballcalculator.com. Uh, do you want to talk a little bit about that site? Well, you can get all your current ADP on there. They have a, uh, a lot of mock drafts and Current ADP, they got ADP for 18 leagues, 10 team leagues, 12 team leagues, 14 team leagues, uh, standard and PPR scoring. It's kind of the place to go for your current ADP, and uh, we use it a lot. All of our writers use this uh, for their uh, research. Yeah, the, and ADP, again, is just average draft position. Um, what's great about this website, it allows you to look at, uh, basically, people go on and do mock drafts. So they'll go on with either some friends or just people, uh, other folks wanting to do mock drafts and go ahead and do a 10-team or 12-team uh, draft. It doesn't count for anything, but it, it just kind of helps build that data for the site. Um, and then based on that, uh, based on different time frames, either you know within the last week, within the last month, you can kind of see where guys are being drafted. So if you're picking, you know, seventh out of ten in your in one of your home leagues, you can kind of go out and see, well, who, who's available at that seventh spot? Who's available in the second round at that spot? Um, just really invaluable, and you can actually compare it to other years, which we'll kind of dig into a little bit as well. Um, just a great overall site. Just want to give them a shout out, and uh, if you're kind of curious about how folks' drafts are looking so far this season, uh, you can't find much better information than fantasyfootballcalculator.com. So... Let's go ahead and start at the top. Uh, when we talk about redraft, we talk about starting over every year, right? You're not keeping any players um, from year to year like you would in a keeper league. You're not keeping your entire roster uh, like you would in a dynasty league. You're, you're literally starting with a, a fresh team every every season. Uh, Kenny, some of the most uh, most uh, kind of popular leagues are would be you know an 18, a 8 team, a 10 team, or a 12 team league. Uh, do you have any preference in the type of size of league that you like to play in? Um, me, I, I, I tend to like the 10-team league. Uh, that's what I've been doing for the last, I think, six years uh, with my buddies. But um, I think I'm starting to, to tend more towards the 12-team leagues just because 10 teams does seem a little... Um, it's not as shallow, obviously, as the 18-team leagues, but uh, in terms of 12-team leagues, you kind of have to do a little bit more research. Uh, guys are get, coming off the board earlier than they normally would in the 8- or 10-team league, and um, you really have to dig deep when it comes to late round drafts. Um, that being said, I do think that there are advantages between eight and ten team leagues, um, just because every player that you have on your team um, is a potential stud doesn't necessarily mean that you'll play the right guys. Um, eight and ten team leagues have their challenges. Um, you, you still have to start the right guys, just because you have a bunch of good guys doesn't mean um, you'll, you'll play the right ones every week. So. Um, in terms of size, I think it's honestly whatever your preference is, however many friends or uh, family members you can you can get together. Um, but me personally, I've I've been doing ten team leagues for the last uh, last couple of years. 
Yeah, Pat, uh, we've talked in the past about how important it is to understand what kind of league you're in, what the what the roster rules are and things like that. Um, just doing a little digging, uh, kind of most standard leagues will be nine starters, which is one quarterback, two running back, two wide receiver, one tight end, uh, one kicker, one defense, and also one flex position. And in a standard league, that's typically that flex position can be either a running back or a wide receiver. But we do also see it uh, sometimes be tight ends or other offensive players, uh, non-quarterback. Back, uh, plus seven bench spots. Um, do you have any preference in the type of flex uh, positions you like in those types of leagues? Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, in my, uh, I play in two main leagues. One's ten and one's twelve, and they they differ in the fact that the ten team league has uh, two wide receivers and a flex, and the flex is receiver, running back, tight end, whichever you want to play. And then the twelve team is a three wide receiver, um, and the, the ten team two wide receiver. I mean. I find myself a little bit stacked at that position, and there's lots of guys. You know, you find a Lance Moore on the on the waiver wire, which mm. in my other league, you know, he's he, he's playing on a team week to week, right? So it kind of changes up that dynamic. Um, I've never played in anything different than that. I've heard about these super flex leagues where you know quarterbacks can be played at flex, which oh yeah, which <laughs> <laughs> makes things a little crazy. But uh, I. I like the receiver, running back, tight end, flex. I mean, it makes things easy. In If you're starting two wide receivers, I mean, you can plug in a pretty good third wide receiver there, or uh, if you can get a third running back, that's good to play there. I mean, you can do pretty well for yourself, I think. Yeah, most definitely. Uh, Regan, some other customizations that, that folks might see uh, in their home leagues would be things like PPR, uh, which is points per reception. Um, can you kind of talk about what the impact of having a point per reception for wide receivers, tight ends, and running backs um, does to kind of rankings in general? Well, if you look at standard scoring leagues, um, obviously standard scoring leagues, quarterbacks are heavy. Um, they, they're the, usually the top the top scorers. If you look at a ESPN standard scoring league, the top 20 in scoring, you'll have 16 quarterbacks out of the top 20. You might have three running backs and one wide receiver. So when a PPR league, um, it gives the running backs and wide receivers a little bit of an advantage to, to close that gap. So it throws in a, a different angle in the draft where all the guys are equal. So it throws off your strategy a little bit. Yeah, and something else we mentioned, I mean, r- really just knowing your rules is key, right? Knowing what, again, what those roster limits are. What What is your scoring? You know, do you have a crazy commissioner who likes to likes to only award, you know, four points for a passing touchdown, but six points for a rushing or receiving touchdown, or, or touchdowns all, all six points regardless of who scores them. It's things like that that really make or break uh, kind of how your strategy fits in for the season. Um, Absolutely. Something, yeah. else, something else, guys, that I've used in, in some of our leagues is, we've, uh, is the use of IR spots. Um, in some of my bigger leagues, uh, one of our CBS leagues, you can basically put anyone on IR that you want to as long as they have the little uh, red cross near their name, and then you don't have to bring them off of IR until whenever you want to. So that's some flexibility. In some bigger leagues, um, you may only be able to put someone on there that's actually truly has an injury designation, uh, whether it's ESPN or Yahoo. But a lot of times that can just be a free spot. I mean, if you're smart and pick up a guy that you know is currently hurt but will be healthy in a few weeks, it's worth picking him up and putting him in that IR spot just to carry him, just as a just kind of as a lottery ticket, right? To see maybe if he pans out into something. Well, absolutely. You think about uh, guys that are going to be put on the pup list at the beginning of the year. It's worth grabbing them in the late round. I mean, you think of a guy like like Percy Harvin or Michael Crabtree. There is a realistic chance that they could come back towards the end of the season, um, even if it's at the at the playoffs. If you're you know you're talking week fifth, week fourteen, week fifteen, week sixteen for playoffs in normal normal. Uh, fantasy leagues these guys could come off the list and actually give you a little boost come playoff time so it's worth it to grab a guy like that that's being put on the pup list and they're designated to return throw them on throw them on that ir spot throw them on the roster uh take a late round flyer on them and keep them towards the end of the league if you have that spot there why not grab it and use it yeah, most definitely. I recall last year grabbing Jason Winton very late in a 10-team redraft league. Um, again, he was injured. Remember, he had the ruptured spleen. Uh, 
kind of late in training camp. I took him, stuck him on my on, on my IR, and then was able to use him throughout the season, um, which worked to my advantage. Um, you guys mentioned briefly two quarterback leagues. Um, not very common, um, but they do exist. Um, me, as, I'm kind of a fantasy football purist. I like my team to look like a normal NFL team, and doing the two quor- doing, doing the two quarterback thing outside <laughs> of the New York Jets really doesn't make a lot of sense to me, but. Uh, uh, it feels like they, there's a few popping up here and there that we see on Twitter that guys are jumping into. Um, how many teams are usually in those kind of leagues, Regan, with a two quarterback? I, I, I'm, I'm not hard on the on the two quarterback leagues. I like the super flex, which is any offensive player you can you can start a quarterback, a running back, a wide receiver, or a tight end. Um, my my home league here that's what that's what it's always been. It's been a uh, it's been a super flex league where you can play that that second quarterback. And like I was talking about, the difference in standard scoring and PPR, um, our league is set up as standard scoring still. So that quarterback, having the second quarterback in your lineup gives you a distinct advantage. And it comes uh, during draft time. It uh, really throws people off because you see dra- you'll see quarterbacks go first round, second round, third round, and some guys will take three quarterbacks in the first three rounds just to strictly try to draw somebody into a trade come bye week time. Boy, oh boy, that doesn't that doesn't interest me. I don't know about Kenny or Pat, but uh, I'll let I'll let you I'll let you keep those leagues, Regan. More than just a uh, two at most three wide receivers and then a flat and a standard running back to flex. But uh, who knows? The, the more I talk to people on, on Twitter and in the fantasy community, it's like everyone's trending towards uh, crazier and uh, more more interesting uh, leagues. Yeah, most yeah. Most definitely. Um, along with these redraft leagues, is, since we're still, you know, this whole podcast is devoted to redraft, um, typically your draft order, let's talk about draft order for a bit. Um, typically you're looking at a snake draft where, say we're in a 10-team league, the person with the number one overall pick wouldn't select again until the 20th pick, right? So Let, the, Let's talk about, let's just go with 12 because sure. okay. that tends to be a standard league is 12, yep. 12 teams. Yep, that sounds good. So, yeah, so I have the first pick in a 12-team draft. I don't pick again until number 24 overall. So basically you go one direction in the first round and then you reverse direction in the even rounds and you just keep doing that throughout the whole draft, which helps to try to equalize uh, kind of the – uh, value available to to everybody. That way, it's a little a little more fair rather than one person picking at the top of the top of each round. Um, so, I'd like to get each of your opinion. Um, do you guys have any specific draft positions you like better than others uh, in a twelve team redraft league? I uh, sorry. Yeah, go ahead. All right. Um, I I tend to like the middle of the so maybe six seven around there in twelve teams. Just because I like that that middle, um, at each, each and every round, as opposed to you know one twenty four twenty five or twelve thirteen, uh, picking there at the turn, it's makes things a little more constant rather than you know you pick AP and then you go wait for twenty three picks or whatever. Um, it, it it gives you a chance to to follow your strategy a little bit rather than maybe letting seeing who falls to you and that. Um, like for I I uh, I'm picking fifth out of twelve in my redraft league in a couple weeks, and I'm kind of torn between a few guys and looking at who I can get later and who I want to take with my first pick. But as opposed to if I had say one or twelve at one of the turns, I'd kind of be stuck there. And you know you're getting who you're getting, right? You can kind of follow your strategy a little bit more in the in the middle round or the sorry the middle picks there. Most definitely. How about you, Kenny? A bunch of mock drafts, and I, I, I found that the my favorite positions to draft from are maybe from around two to three, um, just because I feel like I can get one of the top running backs, uh, one of the top tiered running backs, and then on the come around um, in the second and third round, like you guys, you get guys like Demarius Thomas and Julio Jones, who are they're not in the Calvin Johnson tier wide receivers, but they're also in the upper tier um, when it comes to wideouts. Um, I think hardest spots that I found to, to draft from is uh, like Pat was saying like the later the later picks in the first round like 10 11 or 12 just because um, at that point you're kind of at the the back end of the running back run and uh, we all know how how difficult it is to, to draft solid running backs um, and so and with the, the depth of wide receiver being the way it is, uh, I feel like if you're earlier, you can you can 
if you're drafting from an, an earlier spot, you can wait on wide receivers and still get some really good ones uh, while taking a, a top running back with your first pick. Yeah, and Regan, when we broke this down about a week ago, we talked about what it's like to draft on you know that 11th, 12th pick, and we looked at, at situations where, based on average draft position as it stands today, you could end up with a guy like Chris Johnson and Matt Forte at 12 and 13, and that's a pretty pretty solid start as running back one and running back two for any team, right? Yeah, it's a very good start for a for each standard or PPR league. Um, and we talked about that before. I tend to like either the three, four, five-ish pick because I like to have that stud running back, and then 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 you can always look at um, at another either a good running back, especially if you're in a PPR league. You can look at another running back or on that turn in the second round. You can look at a Reggie Bush, or like Kenny said, you're still looking at a good wide receiver like a Julio Jones or a Brandon Marshall could fall to you. Um, or even taking the top tight end off the board in the second round, you can take a Jimmy Graham. I don't tend to like to do that. I'm I'm more of a, a running back quarter. I like to stock up on my running backs, um, take them take them soon and take them often, early and often is is my uh, my kind of basic draft strategy for for running backs. Just load up because they're few and far between. So yeah, there's there's a lot of good spots. When you and I went through that and. That 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 number four, that, number three, where, number four. Yeah, number I think four six. is where you ended up with like C.J. Spiller and, J, and, 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 and Jimmy Graham in the second, right? Marshall, wasn't it? Uh, is it oh, yeah. him or Jimmy Graham? Yeah. Yeah, it was a very. That's a good pickup. Yeah. Is there? I mean, really, the worst case scenario for any person drafting in a twelve-team league is getting through that second round and not having a running back at all, right? Which could happen. I mean, I guess I suppose you could go Calvin Johnson early and then come back with. Uh, Jimmy Graham, or hopefully not another wide receiver. Um, I, I kind of feel like the the cat's out of the bag for this season so far, and the conventional wisdom seems to be that you do want to take running back, like you're saying, Regan, early and often. Um, any of the major writers uh, for the major sites out there are going to tell you to wait wait on quarterback. Um, do you guys want any anyone want to tackle that subject? Waiting on quarterback? Yeah, waiting on quarterback and really just loading up on running back early just because of the it, – it's just not that deep, right? I mean, outside of you're, you're looking at maybe the – I don't know. Go ahead and I'll, I'll kind of pull up some other stuff here. Yeah, I <laughs> I, uh, I, I was just looking over some of the, the ADP of the quarterbacks off of uh, Fantasy Football Calculator. If you want to wait, I mean, wait to the sixth. And I mean that's that's still early, but you can get Stafford or Kaepernick. Their their ADPs in the sixth round there. Um, in the seventh, you got RG three, Locke, and Romo. I mean those those three are pretty solid. And then I mean with six picks ahead of those guys, you set yourself up nice with running backs and receivers. Maybe a tight end in there if you really want. Uh, I mean even if you go further, you got Russell Wilson in the eighth, uh, Eli Manning in the ninth. I mean. Eli didn't have a great year, but two years ago he passed for almost 5,000 yards. So, yep. I mean, it, quarterback depth is crazy this year. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you got guys like the trash Tony Romo especially, and he's, he's all the way down in the seventh round. Tony Romo has been a top ten quarterback five of his last six healthy years, and the one year that he wasn't in the top ten, he was number 12. So he's still a he was he was still a QB one in a twelve team league, and waiting until the seventh or eighth round to pick up a Tony Romo and stocking up instead on on quality running backs, wide receivers, and and a, a, a top two or three tight end. It, it, it's just common sense to me. Yeah, and that's a far cry. Yeah. Go ahead. No, sorry about that. No, go ahead. You're good. Uh, okay. Uh, something that I found too, uh, just wanted to caution everybody about is. In, uh, in some of the mock drafts that I've been doing where I've been waiting on QBs, um, I've gotten too cute sometimes. And um, I, I figure that by the time the se- seventh or eighth round run, ro- rolls around, everyone's already got a QB. And so I just avoid drafting a QB. And uh, there's always someone <laughs> who just wants to stick it to me or whatever it is. But then he already has Aaron Rodgers, and he goes ahead and drafts Tony Roma, who I was going to take the next <laughs> pick, you know? <laughs> just pull with that. Um, I definitely agree with uh, what both Regan and Pat were saying. Um, waiting late to draft the QB allows you to take wide receivers and running backs the first uh, however many rounds you want to wait. Um, 
But once you've filled up all those spots and you start filling up your bench, um, you might want to just take a look at the, the quarterbacks out there. Obviously, if there are better valued wide receivers or running backs, I would take them and, and, and place them on a bench because you can never have enough depth at those positions. But uh, sometimes it, it, it hurts to, to, to try to be too cute with this strategy as well. Yeah, what's interesting, Regan, is comparing uh, comparing the top 20 picks this season to the top 20 picks last season. Uh, this year, oh, so let's just start with last year. Last year was 12 running backs, 5 quarterbacks, 2 wide receivers, and 2 tight ends. And this year, so far, the top 20 players in uh, average draft position, 16 running backs and 4 wide receivers. So, <laughs> I mean... It all depends on how your draft's going, too, right? I mean, you have to be flexible enough to know that, hey, if there's a bunch of maybe inexperienced folks drafting ahead of you that are snatching up quarterbacks, that may change your strategy a little bit. Um, but I think you guys are right on kind of with loading up on those running backs early. Well, and it's like we talked about earlier. you gotta, you got to take into, into account those. Is your, is, are you a standard scoring league or are you a PPR scoring league? Is, are you custom scoring where the commissioner set up a six-point passing touchdown? Um, obviously, like I was saying, quarterbacks quarterbacks are a little bit more valuable in a standard scoring league. So you might see guys take them a lot earlier. I mean, in a standard scoring league, I've seen guys lead off with Aaron Rodgers first overall. Period. That that's it. I mean, that that's that's it. And I've seen <laughs> I, I've seen drafts where I've been in drafts where four quarterbacks go in the first round because of their va- their perceived value in in the in the scoring situation of the league. Um, yeah, and then that guy, you know, that guy ends up with Jonathan Stewart as his number one running back. But <laughs> I mean, I, I've seen it happen. So you, you have to take into account all situations when you're when you're getting ready to draft, and and you have to take into account the type of of league you're in and the scoring settings. If there's any customization to the scoring at all, and it's kind of when you think about it. Last year, um, I remember looking at you know guys like. Um, like Matthew Berry and stuff like that, they had quarterbacks ranked up high, and it's kind of just the trend has gone to no, no, no. Um, you know, JJ Zacharyson kind of set this trend up, the the late round quarterback <laughs> trend, and it, it, it's kind of taken off. Where no, no, let's let let let's pass on these quarterbacks and let's stock up on these other positions as that perceived value. I mean, in when you see like four wide receivers in the top twenty. Um, that just speaks to the depth of, of the position more than than anything else, and the lack of depth at the running back position, especially at the at the top of the running back position. Regan, it's it's uh, it's funny. I was just gonna. You basically just said what I was gonna say. With, I mean, the conventional wisdom last year was, I mean, in terms of the mainstream, you know, the Matthew Berry, Michael Fabiano, those guys, their their conventional wisdom was, you know, go go quarterback early because there's so many questions around the running backs and then you come back this year and it's no you have to go running back running back and I think at the end of the day you have to know who's in your league you have to know what your your league mates know so if I was in a league with you guys I know you guys follow the late round quarterback I know you know all that stuff if I'm playing in my home league where they follow Matthew Barry and Michael Fabiano very close <laughs> You know, I might be able to snag some guys like, I don't know, a- any of the, the sleeper guys like a Shane Vereen and, you know, he's going to go on the eighth round or something as opposed to his sixth round ADP. Yep. Um, so, I mean, the, the most important thing I think is, is know your league, know, know who you're drafting with and know where, where you can get cute, as Kenny put it. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, just, that's, I think that's the most important thing in my experience at least. Yeah, to recap kind of what you guys are saying is basically have a strategy but still be flexible enough to, and I think, to make changes as things go on. Yeah. Go ahead, Kenny. Uh, I was just going to say, like, I, I know we're advocating waiting on QBs, but like like everyone else said, if everyone's waiting on a QB and, and Aaron Rodgers or Drew Brees is there in the, in the fourth round, I mean, I, I wouldn't keep on waiting until they, they leave, you know? Like, Drew Brees. Aaron Rodgers, in my opinion, still um, have a leg up on the on the other quarterbacks. Yes, it's a very deep league, but don't be so stuck with a strategy of waiting on QB where you pass up on um, on Rodgers or on Brees. great value. Yeah, very yeah. good, very yeah. good advice. Yeah, and we haven't talked a lot yeah. about estimating value or trying to 
do that analysis. But Regan, a lot of times when folks say, oh, I wouldn't draft such and such, well, that's kind of a silly statement, right? Because what what you really should be saying is I wouldn't draft such and such at this position, right? If a guy falls, if there's a guy who has an average draft position of, you know, third, third, third pick in the second round like Des Bryant, you're not going to say, I, I wouldn't take Des Bryant. You may not take him at 2-3, but you might take him in the third round if he's still there, you know, in, if you're in some weird draft where that would actually happen. Well, a- absolutely. I mean, look, you look at Ryan Matthews in, in this, I think I do believe that his, that his ADP is high at, fi- at 507 because there's, there's a ton of running backs I would take ahead of him at that spot. But when you, if you see Ryan Matthews, even, even here where I think he's high, if you see Ryan Matthews in the eighth round, that's good value. Yeah, I, I God, I can't stand the guy. And I would feel dirty drafting him. Correct. But it's a good value. You've got to take him and stash him on the bench. If you're looking at him in the eighth, eighth round as your RB4 or RB5, it, it, it's tremendous value. Right. You have to. I mean, you can't be so stubborn. That stubborn Stubbornness lo- loses leagues. For sure, and, and revisionist history too, right? Because a lot of people will take him, you know, will take him there. Say he's fallen into that range you're talking about, and then when he invariably gets hurt, they say, "Oh, I shouldn't have taken him. I should." No, you should have. That was good value at the time, right? Yeah, it was you good value. You, it's at the like time. a poker player only, you know, remembering his bad beats, but doesn't remember, you know, the times when he was successful. So, a lot of the same same principles kind of apply here. Absolutely, and and another another thing is, um, I can't stand when. People say, "Oh, well, you shouldn't draft this guy." There, there, there. You know, if value to a person is is only perceived by others, if you feel comfortable taking a guy, reaching, quote unquote, reaching for a guy, it's only reaching in somebody else's view. It's not reaching to you to, in, in your own eyes. Take the guy that you feel comfortable taking at the position you feel t- you feel comfortable taking him. Don't let don't listen to what other people say on on if you should or shouldn't have drafted a guy at a certain spot if that's your guy and you want him if there's a guy that's undoubtedly the person you want on your team you do what you can to grab him don't let other people tell you when you should or shouldn't draft a guy all i hear is you saying you're defending your stevie johnson as a top 10 wide receiver here (laughs) (laughs) i'm just kidding but but you know what i never take him early no i always take him at his adp or later correct because people pass on him so but that but that's but that's the but that's the truth though i mean it's only it's only a reach in someone else's eyes. A draft pick is not a reach in your own eyes. So don't let other people dictate your draft. Most definitely. Yeah. And so a good transition here, guys, is for us. Um, can you guys want to take a look at the first couple of rounds and maybe see if there's any guys that jump out at you? Um, maybe guys that you wouldn't necessarily take at the ADP that they're currently being taken. And uh, either any of you can start. Go ahead, Pat. I'm just looking here. Who I wouldn't take yeah, or who I yeah, would who, take? Who you, well, either. So let's do either. Let's say uh, a guy that you love at his current position or a guy that you don't like given where he's currently being drafted. I know oh, I know. Okay. Regan will have a long list, so. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, just taking a look here. I mean, in the second round, just going off ADP, I mean, Brandon Marshall at 207, I, I I tend to really like him there. I was t- talking to my brother actually, and he's he's torn of who he's gonna try and get in the second round. And I'm like, well, if Marshall's there, I think you gotta take him because I think he had what 196 targets or something crazy like that. And the Bears are only gonna throw more. And I know there's more weapons there now and everything, but I don't know. My my feeling is that he's gonna he's gonna be just as good as as last year. Um, so I mean. He's behind Dez and Green and obviously Megatron. And I, I mean, he was only in my league scoring, he was only four points behind Megatron last year. And then just looking at, uh, uh, ESPN, uh, what are the consistency rankings? Tristan Cockroft, he put it together, put it together in June. And Brandon Marshall was actually more consistent than Megatron. So, um, that's a big thing for me is consistency. One guy I don't like in the second round at his ADP, I'd say, is Julio Jones. Um, and not just because I'm a Saints fan, <laughs> but, uh, he, you know, he's going ahead of guys like Demarius Thomas, Fitzgerald, Cobb, Roddy White. I mean, Roddy White's going almost a full round later than him, 
and their scoring last year, while well, just going off of my scoring league, uh, was really similar. Um, and then just going back to those consistency rankings, he was Mr. Boomer Bust. So, you know, he had four stud games where he was inside the top five, but he also had three stiff games, which is uh, outside the top 50 for receivers. So he was, he's a, for me, he's a little too inconsistent there, whereas, you know, I, I like Demarius Thomas a little bit more than him, maybe Cobb and Fitzgerald too. Kenny, guys that you like or don't like at their current ADP? Um, one of the main guys that I do like, uh, I actually liked him a lot more before his first preseason game, uh, but the guy is Chris Johnson. Um, before his, his week one outing, uh, he, he was drafted around the middle of the second round, and then one week later, uh, he's now at the top of the second round. So <laughs> I still think that he's, um, he's going to be you know, a top 10 running back. There's a lot of good things going on for him from um, the additions that the Titans made on the offensive line. Um, a lot of the times last year, Johnson was just hit in the backfield or was too impatient because of uh, bad offensive line play. Um, so I think Chris Johnson at his at his uh, ADP right now, 2.01, um, I think that's a really solid, solid value. Um, going a little bit further down to... Um, I'm glad, I'm glad the Monty Ball train has slowed down a bit. Um, his has dropped down to, right now he's going, uh, the ninth pick in the fourth round. And even at that, I mean, earlier he was early fourth round material, um, or he was being drafted as such, and I really didn't like that. Um, he's not even the confirmed starter in Denver, and he's, um, you know, and he's a rookie. Uh, I think a lot of people remember, uh, last, last rookie that played with Peyton Manning, Donald Brown. Uh, there was a game where, uh, where Manning just cussed out Donald Brown on national TV because Brown was <laughs> in the right spot. Great YouTube uh, clip. Yeah, exactly. And I think, uh, I think that could, uh, Monty Ball is gonna have the same growing pains that, uh, that Brown had. And I don't like the fact that he's going ahead of, uh, other running backs, like even Eddie Lacy and Gio Bernard, two two running backs, two other rookies that I think um, have a little bit more value than Monte Ball, and yet they're going behind. And a guy like Chris Ivory, um, I know his uh, health status over the last couple of weeks has kind of driven his value down a little bit, but um, but yeah, Monte Ball at uh, in the end of the fourth round is someone that I don't really agree with. Yeah, and I think the, you did mention the rookies, and they probably are a little little overvalued in some of these because the folks that have been doing mock drafts, particularly you know within the last month, are probably hardcore guys, um, other fantasy writers, and things like that. Um, so you may see the, the rookies have a little bit of, of added value or overvalue in, in you know in these calculations. Uh, Regan, how about you? Uh, rookies rookies are always overvalued every single year. I think. Um, First and foremost, C.J. Spiller at 1-4. Yes, if he falls to me at 4, I'm in heaven because happy. I have him as my second overall player. Um, uh, let's see. If uh, Rob Gronkowski falls to me at the end of the fourth round, I'm in absolutely in heaven. I, I, I still believe that he's going to start the season. I, I still believe he's going to be on the field the first game of the year. And even if he's not, that's a guy you grab for the second half for the playoff run instead of um, instead of for the first half and worrying about games in the first half. Stream him until he's fine, even if he's going to be hurt and miss a couple games at the beginning of the season. Another one, Darren Sproles, standard scoring, PPR scoring. Oh, yeah. End of the <laughs> third round, are you nuts? I mean, I, I've seen him go as high as the, 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 the second round the first or second pick of the second round. I mean, the guy is still a stud. He still puts up numbers. He's a top 15 running back in standard scoring, and he's top 10 running back in PPR. If if he falls to me in the third round, I'm absolutely in heaven. Um, just kind of looking over it, I think they're absolutely nuts having Vernon Davis ahead of Jason Witten. I don't care what anybody says that that you're on crack if you have Jason <laughs> if you have Vernon Davis ahead of Jason Witten you're on crack. Just just step away now. Um and of course um Stevie Johnson at 8-2. Come on. Top 10 wide receiver in the 8th round. 
<laughs> who's the quarter? Who's the quarterback? Doesn't matter who the quarterback is. Slip, who's the wide receiver? Slip and fall, Cobb, or uh, who's the wide receiver? The rookie EJ Manuel. Who's hey, the Manu- wide receiver? Manuel looked good. Yeah, he looked in his debut. He did look in good. that two minute. I it, yeah, he looked good in the two minutes. Other than that, yeah. it was a lot of staring down his own receivers in short passes. But Stevie Johnson's going to be playing in the slot there. So those short passes are all going to go to Stevie Johnson, which is half of my point. The guy knows how to get open, and with all those short passes, if if EJ Manuel is the quarterback, the more I think about it, the more I like him. I I, I might like him even better with EJ Manuel as a quarterback than Kevin Cobb. Um, and if anybody anybody takes defenses in the eighth round, kick them out of your <laughs> league. Kick them out of the league tomorrow. Seriously, that that's just stupid. Yeah, so let's actually, uh, if you guys don't have anything else uh, on what we've talked about so far, let's actually go to that. Um, the question that fantasy owners often ask themselves in the draft is, where do I take a kicker and a defense in redraft? Um, Regan's saying he'll drive to your house and kick you, apparently, if you take it a little too early. Um, a little too early? The last two rounds of your draft are for kicker and defense. You can choose which way you want to go. There is no exception to that rule. Right, and the reason being is that the difference between kind of the top kickers and defenses and middle of the road uh, guys really isn't—it really is minimal. You know, isn't a huge, huge chasm, and your chances of hitting on the Ravens when they were good or the Chicago Bears when they scored whatever it was, eleven defensive touchdowns—that—that's just a crapshoot. You're not going to be able to predict that, so don't even try. Don't even waste that higher round pick, right? Absolutely. Somebody in my. Uh Somebody in my home league, my home dynasty league, um, actually kept the Chicago Bears defense as one of his his keepers after last season. Yikes. And given the injuries they've had so far, well, or Lecker's (laughs) retirement plus the injuries to their secondary, that could prove to be pretty ugly quick. I don't care what you say. I don't care what your strategy is. Do not take a defense unless it's the second to the last round and the last round. So, well, so since we're spilling secrets, I'll tell you, I ha- in in some drafts, I've actually not drafted a kicker or a defense if the roster rules allow for that and just picked up, picked up additional wide receivers and running backs, held them out through the rest of the preseason, and then prior to week one, made some cuts and picked up the kicker and defense. So, which, which is a great strategy, and every league should allow that. Yep. You guys have any other tips around roster roster stuff like that? Pat, you have anything to add? Um, I know. Sorry, sorry about go that, ahead, Kenny. No, go ahead, Kenny. <laughs> sorry, I keep cutting in on you guys. Delay. You're good. Go ahead. Uh, but yeah, basically, uh, kind of going off what Regan was saying. Um, I'm kind of on the uh, other boat, or uh, on the other side of the, of the fence. Uh, if you if you're taking kickers and defenses in the eighth or ninth round, I want you in my league. Hey, <laughs> I, I want to play with you. I but, thought uh, you were gonna say uh, to draft him early. I was gonna, I was gonna come and kick you in California. In this. <laughs> no, I, I kind of built up to that, but uh, but yeah, I completely agree with Regan, uh, and and I, I agree. Uh, I think rosters should allow you to uh, not necessarily fill in a kicker or a defense because um, a lot, especially a lot of a lot of the drafts that occur um, before. Like a week or or, two, or even longer before the NFL the regular season starts, um, there could be injuries, there could be new developments, different kind of things that uh, that could influence whether you keep or drop a guy. And so, if you're able to keep, if you're able to not draft a kicker or defense, I would really recommend that. Um, and in addition to everything that we've been talking about too so far, um, really, not only do you want know your the league that you're playing in but you also kind of want to know the site that you're using um i know a lot of different sites publish their own adps um we use fantasy football calculator as adam was saying uh, and they have a very um uh it's a it's a very solid solid um set of data that they collect it from but places like spn or yahoo which are some of the most common um sites they all have different adps and uh, I know from experience when you're when you're looking at the ADP or at the players available, they list them in the, in terms of ADP. So just because uh, one site has certain guys in in uh, in the top ten doesn't mean that every site will be doing that. So um, when when you're when you're when the clock is on or when you're on the clock and um, you're getting nervous and and having to to select picks, make sure you look down a little bit because sometimes the guys that you like 
um, that, that were on different sites that were higher could be ranked lower um, on on these different websites. So just make sure you do a couple mocks um, on the various websites that you use um, just so that you are accustomed to their ADP because ADP can vary uh, depending on which site you use. You know what? That is absolutely brilliant, brilliant tip. Um, if you don't make your own ADP list, go with someone you trust. Don't go with the site that you're using. Absolutely, absolutely <laughs> brilliant tip, Kenny. Well, so a lot of the a lot of the ADP data that these other sites are getting are aggregated from mock drafts. And if we figured anything out from uh, some of the fantasy writers jumping in, some of the ESPN mocks, and just how laughable the results are, right? I mean, folks that probably <laughs> haven't looked at fantasy at all this season are jumping in and. I mean, it's just it's, it's bad data, right? I mean, it's just not accurate as to no. what kind of the more experienced or uh, player that's kind of taking the time to stay up on it over the off season, what they're doing in their mock drafts, like you're going to find at Fantasy Football Calculator. One of our yeah. one of our writer friends on Twitter was on an ESPN mock today, and uh, they said four quarterbacks went in the first round. Wow! And that completely throws off ADP. Right, and which was great last year after the after the year of the quarterback in 2011, it was expected that that, that would happen in 2012 uh, drafts. But I mean, so much has changed. We talked about it earlier, just about the distribution of those top 20 players. Pat, do you have something to add? Um, I just I just wanted to discuss something. I'm just looking at the ADP here. What what are you guys' thoughts on in the first three rounds? I mean. I know the the conventional wisdom is running back, running back in the first two, but I mean, I, you know, if I'm just looking in a 12 team league, I pick five just off the ADP here. I'll go Jamal Charles at five, and then at 20, grab Reggie Bush, and then at 29, I can get Lamar Miller or Cobb, Cruz, you know, Roddy White, Andre Johnson as my wide receiver one. But is there, you know, what do you think of going? You know, a top running back in that first round, and then you know, grabbing say Des Bryant, AJ Green, Marshall, any of those three in the second round there, and then coming back in the third with a with a running back. Yeah, that, what are your thoughts on that? That third round looks pretty good. I mean, depending on where you're picking, you're looking at guys like Demarco Murray, Lamar Miller, um, Darren McFadden, Le'Veon Bell. So some youth there, some injury history there, which any running back you're going to be drafting in the third round is going to have some warts, right? So it really just depends on what you want to do there. Um, I I wouldn't be opposed to that at all. No, like you said, it like, like we were talking about earlier, it depends on who falls to you. You know, um, yeah. a guy like Le'Veon Bell, I, I wouldn't want to. I I wouldn't personally wouldn't want to um, have him as my second running back this year, just because you know he's a rookie and you never know. You know, with rookies, I mean, look at look at how. Um, Doug Martin started out last year, or even David Wilson. I mean, some guys drafted David Wilson early last year because he was the first running back taken, and look at how he <laughs> did last year. I mean, there was guys in, in, in my league last year that were cutting him because he stunk. He didn't get on the field. And so you have to worry about things like that. I, I want a steady guy as my second running back, and if I have to rely on a guy like David Wilson – Last year, or Le'Veon Bell this year, I'd much rather have him as my flex guy. But you'd, you'd take David Wilson or Darren Sproles right there, though, in the third round, and be fine with either of those, right? Well, <laughs> we already talked about See, Sproles, so <laughs> he, he would have been off the board in the second round. So not too bad. Let's see. Okay, so for the like, kind of the final segment of the podcast here, talking redraft. Um, let's talk about the art of the deal. How and when do you make trades? Uh, and how do you find trades that are mutually beneficial in redraft? And I have had minimal luck in redraft with trades. I actually just made a dynasty trade tonight, um, which those are a lot more common. But in redraft, I, I just have never had good luck finding trades that both owners are happy with. Um, do you guys want to talk a little bit about uh, about making trades in redraft? <laughs> Regan, you're kind of the king of the trade, so we, maybe um, we can start with you. I, I don't know. I just I I tend to I look at my starters and I look at my bench and I try to increase the value of my starters. So I'll package up multiple bench guys to trade, you know, a start a lesser starter and one or two bench guys to upgrade that starter position. And then I'll go into the waiver wire and pick up another bench guy. And if he has I I, I kind of live on that that 
that profit off of a good play. Um, uh, Denary Alexander last year, he had those, or not last year, but the year Years before, ago. he had those. He had those two great games for the Rams. You know, I used him in a package deal for a guy who was wide receiver hungry, and traded him and a running back who was kind of like a middle middle of the pack running back, and I got Adrian Peterson for the stretch run. I mean, it's just that that's the way I look at it. I always try to look at guys like that and profit off of off of a, a big game. Yeah. And probably some luck involved. I mean, obviously, you're probably having a decent draft and drafting guys that end up doing well either towards the end of the preseason or very early in the season. Um, maybe that's something I've struggled with is when I do have the Denario Alexander that hits early, I think, oh, maybe I'll just hold on to him because he's having a good season. Little to know that that's going to be his best output of the entire year. <laughs> uh, how about you, Kenny? How, how do you feel oh, about Real, real yeah, quick, Adam. Yep. I think that... that you're you fall into that category where you overvalue certain players and you won't trade a guy because of right. your love. And I, your dra- I drafted form. him for a reason. <laughs> on on my team, anybody is tradable. There there is there is a price on every single player out there for me, and I don't get attached to any single player. Um, I, I know I remember you, especially with your Ben Jarvis Green Ellis love. You still have that love, but there's. There, there's there, there, there's two categories of it. There, there's people who tend to overvalue their players and they will not trade a guy. There's guys who will trade anybody on their team. And I think that's it, you're either one or the other. It's black and white. You know, you're one or the other in, in fantasy football. Yeah, and I, I completely agree with Regan. Um, I think the, the, the hardest part about dealing with trades is um, just because just cause you own a player doesn't add value to that guy. You know, as um, as hard as it is to hear, um, and and kind of going off what Regan was saying earlier about um, uh, doing two for ones or three for two players, trying to get the best player out of the deal. Um, I really I really support that that strategy, but um, probably later in the season for me, um, early in the season, especially if you've already done a draft, um, I, it, it, it might be tempting to to trade away some some of your depth to. To try to improve uh, a roster's position and get a better player at one spot. Um, one of my friends actually, before Denary Alexander got got hurt, he was thinking of trading um, uh, one of his other receivers and packaging with the running back to get a better running back. Um, and I was telling him, you know, it's a little bit too early to do that. Uh, there's plenty of injuries that can happen. Um, you don't even know like how your fantasy team is going to do yet. So. Um, I think early in the season, um, I I personally would uh, would rather have some depth to try to see which of the guys that I tra- I mean, you draft the guy for a reason, right? So you want to wait, give them a little bit of time um, to see if they pan out or not. Um, and then as as the playoffs come closer, then that's really when um, bench spots don't matter as much. You know, you want to try to make as solid once all the buys are gone, uh, once all that's behind you you really want to to strengthen your starting position because then by that time the bench really doesn't have um as much value so um but yeah i agree with what uh regan was talking about pat how about you how successful have you been making trades in uh in redraft leagues um i i tend not to trade too often uh you know it's it's tough like like you said adam i you know you're you're not really trading for the future you're trying to you trade to win that year uh, there was a trade in one in my redraft league this year. I think it was Megatron for Welker and Morris, something like that. It's a pretty and the guy, yeah, it's uh, it, it. I think it was right at the right at the point where Morris just started going off and started doing really well in that. So, I mean, at the time, you know, one had depth at a position, and you know. He had extra running backs, wanted to upgrade to Megatron, which is always good. But then, you know, I ended up giving up Morris, who was a top 10 back last year, I believe. At least in our league, I think he was. Um, I think you just have to look at needs. For example, you know, last year in my keeper league, I know it's not redraft, but I mean, it's, it pro- the trade probably would have happened either way, but, uh, I, I had, Lynch and Sproles is my running backs, and Sproles went down with that broken hand or whatever, and I'm stuck with no depth at running back. So I had to trade. I traded Victor Cruz for Alfred Morris mid-season, and I mean the guy had extra 
he had extra running backs, I had extra receivers, and we were both short at the other position. So it worked for both of us. Better, um, better for you last year. Oh, uh, yeah, because Cruz, that's, it was right when he started to go downhill and Morris started to pick it back up in that. So it was perfect. And it was, it, it was a little bit of an advantage that he was a Giants fan, but, uh, um, we, I, I met him in the finals and, and Morris just, just killed in the finals. So, um, I mean, for me, I, I'm trading usually if I, if I see an opportunity or if, uh, if there's some kind of need that I need to fill, like I said, with the trading crews for Morris there. Otherwise, I, I, I kind of just sit still a lot of the time. Like, like Adam said, I drafted a guy for a reason and I, but you know, I'm always up for a trade offer or discussion because that's what it's about. Most definitely. Well, uh, yeah, I, I drafted or I traded Pierre Garcon three times last year. <laughs> that, that does take talent. And I still have him on my team as a keeper. <laughs> Got to stop playing in, in that preschool league. <laughs> <laughs> I think, too, in terms of trading, um, on, the, on the flip side, you know, if, if you get a trade offered to you, um, I think one of the most frustrating things for me in, in, in terms of trades is when you offer someone a trade and they don't respond. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, we'll get Definitely. to we'll, Yeah, I feel like we have an article coming on kind of the folks that you hate to play fantasy football with, and that's t- probably near the top <laughs> of the list. Just, re- yeah, just exactly. reject it. Call me a jerk. Do whatever. Just freaking reject it. Um, uh, okay. <laughs> if you make a trade or if you make a trade offer, if somebody sends you a trade offer, respond. Period. Out of common courtesy. Unless, unless he's asking for Calvin Johnson and he's offering you Julian Edelman, (laughs) you have the okay from the entire fantasy football community to ignore the guy. And (laughs) if you see him in person, you could probably slap him across the head. Um, but yeah, in, in 99% of cases, if, if someone sends you a trade offer, at least have the common courtesy. If, if you don't like it, have the common courtesy to uh, at least uh, decline the trade so it's not just sitting there. Like I said, unless it's the, the knucklehead who's asking for asking for uh, um, C.J. Spiller and offering LeGarrette Blunt. That seems like a good deal. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> awesome work, guys. Uh, really enjoyed talking redraft with you guys. Hopefully... That gives our listeners a good base to uh, get, get ready for their redrafts. I know a lot of folks having their drafts coming up here in the next week or so. Uh, Pat, a pleasure. Very nice having you on the podcast. We really enjoy the work you've been doing for fakepigskin.com. Uh, you guys go out and read Pat's stuff. Uh, thanks a lot, Pat. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me tonight. It was uh, it was awesome to be on here and chat with you guys. It most definitely will be doing a lot more throughout the season, that's for sure. Uh, Kenny, good to have you back from vacation, pal, from uh, Alaska. Yeah, good to be back. I think I probably gained about five or ten pounds on vacation, but <laughs> nice time to work. <laughs> That'll do. Hopefully, uh, you'll be prepared for your drafts here coming up. And uh, Regan, as always, man, uh, had a blast. Absolutely. Hey, did you say that there's drafts coming up in the next week or two? There are drafts coming up in the next week really? or two. Really? Don't we have a free draft guide available? We do have a free draft guide available. We do. And we'll have, yep, you can go to our website and in the top right hand corner plug in your name and your email address and you'll get our 2013fakepigskin.com fantasy football draft guide for absolutely mm-hmm. free. Um, and I think you take that and you couple that with some of the tools that we've or kind of resources we've named such as fantasy football calculator um you'll really be ready for your draft absolutely hey real quick another one the fake football has a uh, simulator that you can run your uh your league scoring in and they'll give out kind of a, a virtual um draft based on the scoring system that you can also run for those guys with the six-point touchdown leagues and uh and idiot commissioners who throw in goofy crazy scoring stuff Go to the, the fakefootball.com and check out their little uh, draft simulator. Awesome. Uh, okay, guys, thanks a lot. And as always, this is Adam Rainbow for fakepigskin.com signing off. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you very much.